Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome in, everybody. Well, I guess it is, again, one and a half, guys, and a mic. The coach, John Cohn, will not be in today. This is Joel Redwanski, the big dog. Be doing the show with a lot of help from my producer, David Olson. And, man, there is plenty to talk about in the world that for all, everybody that is a non-sports fan during this sports fan show, plenty to talk about in the world. Uh, we got interesting stories. Baseball has started off. Maybe football is close to coming back. NBA is definitely bye-bye, and wow, there are definitely funny stories all over the place. And, and considering this is a pretty uh, a serious time going on in the world right now with the whole debt ceiling issue, uh, maybe two countries are going to have to be totally foreclosed and shut down and bankrupt in, in Europe right now. So uh, sometimes you need some lightheartedness. Sometimes you need to have a little bit of fun. So we're going to give you that here on Two Guys with a Mike Zolodwanski with the one and only producer, David Olson, pushing all the buttons on the other side. I do appreciate it. So, uh, well, I guess, like, uh, the biggest news coming out of the world of sports right now is it's either going to be the U.S. women's football team or, or if uh, you're a guy like me, possibly it's the fact that the lockout might be over. And hopefully we're getting to a point right now where the, they're actually letting the ink dry on some paper because supposedly – uh, they're really close to a, a deal. There's only a couple issues that are going to, that are between the two sides. So hopefully we'll be having football pretty soon. I don't think we're going to have the Hall of Fame game with the Bears. We really don't need that. They're taking on the Rams in uh, Canton, Ohio. Uh, like I think it's like August 7th or something like that. I think it's way too early for them to be playing a football game. So uh, hopefully the Bears won't have to play that. But they're really close to, to making a deal. And the biggest uh, concessions, I would say, that the, the players had to give up, and that was the whole thing, is the players had to give a lot back during this, while the, the owners, are, I guess, are doing a little bit more for players in terms of benefits long-term. Not much more, but at least a little bit more than the, they had to given in the past. And the, the biggest concession that the players uh, had to give up was uh, the rookie uh, wage scale. And supposedly it's going to be in half, in, in not only in terms of uh, – overall money, but definitely in guaranteed money. And I, I see that as a really good thing. This doesn't mean that the, the, the wages are going to go down in general. Now, there's, there's still going to be a salary cap and a salary minimum, uh, a, a bottom line that each team has to pay out to the players. But if you give less money to guys that haven't been in the NFL, that means more guys that, hey, you're, you're in your, your eighth year, you've been a really good guard for us, but instead of us cutting you, because you made $2 million and we can't afford to pay a guard $2 million. Well, guess what? We're not paying some quarterback that we draft and they have to wait for three years $15 million of guaranteed money this year. We can actually keep you on our roster. So I think in terms of overall football, this really, really makes sense. And, um, you know, I don't want to cite like specific people like the Ryan Lease and the Jamarcus Russells of the world who got, especially Jamarcus Russell, who got ridiculous money and never played anything in the NFL. I, I, but the, the truth of the matter is, if you want good football, if you have a salary cap, sometimes if you pay a rookie that hasn't played a down in the NFL way too much money, you have guys that have been in the NFL four, five, eight, ten years, well, guess what? They're a marginal player. Very solid, good guy in the locker room, all that, but you know what? Uh, you won't. We can't afford to pay him. We'll go over the cap. So sometimes you have to get rid of decent players. Well, if you're paying less money to guys that are unproven, well, other guys that are on your team that are proven and are quality guys, good football players, you can spread that money around, and maybe you don't have to cut as many of those guys. So I really love the, the rookie wage scale. And let's face it, these guys are playing in the NFL. If you get drafted in the first round, honestly, you have made enough money that if you do it right, you're set for the rest of your life, even if you make half of what the, the what these rookies are making right now. So it's not like they should cry. And, and let's face it, the money is still going to be there for these people. If they truly are the football player that they can turn out to be, they'll make even more money than they ever dreamed of with the way this is set up. So this is 
the way football is doing it now is that the owners are still going to pay out just as much money, but it isn't going to be – they don't have to take buckets of cash to the draft, which I love because let's make these guys earn it. So that, that's a really good thing. Hopefully this is going to get worked out, and that has been one of the biggest bones of contention. Uh, another issue is uh, this This is big in terms of free agency, folks, because what's going to happen soon is as soon as this deal is inked, teams are going to have to get in a camp. And there's, I believe right now, 380 free agent football players around. So there's going to be a lot of people that need to get to different places. Well, now we have franchise players and we have transition players and all that stuff, all those different tags of what free agents are called now. Sometimes you're unrestricted, and that's what about, uh, you know, that's definitely the best place for a, a player to be because they have the most wiggle room. Well, now they're talking about having three levels instead of just the two, the franchise and the transition players. They're actually talking about having a, an additional one. So that really throws in uh, a monkey wrench and everything, and they're also talking about the fact that it's going to start now. So if you had ever been a franchise player like a, like Lance Briggs or Vincent Jackson was, that time would not accrue for this new particular contract. So basically, the Chargers can slap one of those tags, whatever they're going to end up calling it, right on Vincent Jackson again. So uh, stuff like that is going to end up happening. Uh, hopefully, it will help the Bears in a positive way. The Bears don't really need much this year. I mean, if you really think about their roster, it's totally set. Uh, the, the beautiful thing about how the Bears are sitting right now they're looking for the cherry on top. They're not looking for a, you know, a foundation of a football team because they have that. Now they're just trying to polish it up and, and try to find something that will bring them to the next level. So uh, we haven't talked much about the Bears at all this summer. And uh, Coach and I, you know, we usually don't get all delved into it too soon because we know there's plenty of football to talk about. And, and uh, a lot of times I think some people miss the, the great sports of the summer when they start talking about the Bears in June and July. But – uh, we haven't talked about him at all this summer. And as a Bears fan, it's, I'm assuming this lockout gets done and football is back before August 1st, okay? I don't know, as a Bears fan, there was a lot of talk, oh, uh, Cutler isn't a leader, all this other stuff. All I know is the players that have been going to his uh, organized Cutler workouts uh, in the North Suburbs are just raving about what a different like leader he seems to be this year. Like, he's really intent on bringing the Bears to the Super Bowl. That's good to hear. The, the guy took way too much abuse last year, and more importantly, I guess, his knee looks phenomenal. So, uh, you know, they know the marked offense. You know, it's been one year, so hopefully, you know, they could take that next step. It's too bad they can't be in camp with the coaches because I, I really do think that the Bears offense needs to be in camp with coaches right now and really uh, ironing some stuff out, but hopefully that'll happen really, really soon. Uh, the Bears are looking good this year, guys. Like I said, they're only looking for uh, that cherry on top in terms of a free agent. They have, right now, they can face anybody in football right now, and they're strong at every position, whether or not they add anybody in free agency. So that, that's what you got to love about them. And, and, and I've thought about the Bears' history since they've been uh, under Lovey Smith. And besides the season of 06, because they were great in 05 in terms of one of the best defenses. Kyle Orton didn't turn the ball over as a rookie quarterback. And they had some expectations, and they lived up to them. They got to the Super Bowl in 06. But any other year in the, in, in the, uh, the Lovey Smith administration, they, they tended to have great years when they were supposed to be bad, and when they were supposed to be good, they had bad years. So this year, everybody's, everybody's on the, the Bears bandwagon again. But uh, I'm not really worried about it. I really do think this team is going to be focused and have a, that, that desire in the belly because you can say, hey, you know, they won their division. They were a game away from the Super Bowl. Well, they can't rest on their laurels. Quite simply, the, the rival in the division is a Super Bowl champion. So as a, as a Bears fan, do not expect any type of letdown that we possibly have seen in previous years when, when there were expectations on this team. This team got punched in the gut in the last game of the season. And uh, it's bothered them. And, uh, and uh, it's bothered Cutler. He's got a little bit new new attitude. And it seems to have brought this whole team together. They're really in Cutler's corner. And that does mean something, folks, to, to have a team that's cohesive and together. When you look at Super Bowl champions, they've always been that way. The way that Saints team played a couple of years ago, phenomenal. They Everybody got each other's back. Everybody knew the role. 
the way the Patriots have always won, it's been that way. So uh, the fact that uh, the Bears really had a, a lot of negative stuff said about them after they lost uh, to Green Bay, and I, I think they've had a pretty decent offseason. Uh, it's, you know, for at least when I'm reading from what Greg Olson has said about the workouts and uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what a few of the other wide receivers, Johnny Knox, I'm not a big Johnny Knox fan, but you know he's come out with a renewed thing. He really wants to take his take his game to the next level. And Johnny Knox, is, how about this? I'll tell you this: you want to take your game to the next level when you're on the football field and the ball is in the air. Don't wait for it to come to you and think it's NFL and everything. Just gets handed to you. You have to go out and grab it and get it. And if you do that, you will be a great wide receiver. But so the lockout could be over soon. The Bears are looking good. I, I'm not really sure who we want to get as free agents. I I would like to get a nice big offensive tackle. But then again, I look and the how good their two young offensive tackles played the last couple of games of the year. Maybe we can go with these guys. And if we do, things could be looking pretty good for the Chicago Bears. Are we going to pick up a, a Plaxico Burris? And my inside information from Cloudy has told me that Randy Moss is looking absolutely phenomenal right now. He was really embarrassed with what happened to him last year and basically not playing hard, and uh, he really wants one more go. You know, I definitely, I, if you're going to sign Randy Moss, I sign him to a one-year deal. I have no problem signing Randy Moss to a one-year deal. Talk about, yo, go, go get it, Randy. Take the top off the defense. So. Well, the right, wide receiver name that's been floating around is Plaxico Burris. Oh, thank you, David, because that was the last one I was going to talk about. And I, I, I want him because the, you can, whatever you say about him, you can say, well, you just served time in jail. You don't want a guy like that around your organization. Those people don't understand human beings. What you're going to get out of Plaxico Burris is a man that wants to save his career and wants to play his butt off. And number two, is not going to do anything wrong the rest of his life. He will never be in trouble again. <laughs> That's the one guy who learned his lesson. That's the type of guy you want around your organization. Tell you know, talk to your young kids. Don't do something stupid. Lance Briggs, go get a go get a, a guy to drive you home instead of crashing your hundred thousand dollar car and then leaving the scene of the crime. Don't do stuff like that. You know, so I, I want Plax to go first. What about you, Dave? You're you're a football guy. Do you want do you want him in the Bears locker room? Do you want him catching balls on third and eight? I would rather have him in the locker room than Randy Moss to tell you the truth. I, with, I don't think there's any doubt about that right now. You're 100% right on that on that instance. So, but as a football player, who would you rather have? I'd, I'd rather have Plexico Burris. Okay. He's obviously, I mean, he, he's younger. He's still got more years ahead of him. Uh, like like you said, you know, I think the year off is going to have taught him a lot. Plus the fact that, he, I mean, he's been with winning organizations. And just bringing that into that locker room is a big plus. And, and I like his body style and route running style uh, as compared to the fact they got all these little, they got Johnny Knox and, and Devin Hester, and uh, they got a lot of small, quick, explosive receivers. There's nothing wrong with a big, slow wide receiver that can take a hit and catch the ball. Well, well, well exactly, you know? exactly. And, you know, aside from the offensive line, the biggest problem with the Bears' offensive game for the last several years is that they've been trying to push off Devin Hester as a number one receiver. You know, just to justify the contract that they gave him. And it, and it doesn't work. He's a second or third option. Plaxico Burris is a number one option, and that's what you need. And that's what Jay Cutler needs. And, and, and kind of like a safety blanket, a guy that you know, well, okay, I'm in a little trouble. I'm getting out of the pocket. Let me square my feet up and throw it the ball downfield in an area where only he can catch it. And that's a viable play. You can't do that with any receiver on the Bears right now. Maybe Earl Bennett. But you can't do that with Johnny Knox or Devin Hester. Just throw the ball in an area where it won't get intercepted unless, like, you throw it so far down the field <laughs> that you have to throw it 80 yards. Yeah, yeah absolutely, there. absolutely, because both Johnny Knox and Devin Hester are the types of receivers that you got to hit them in the open field, and that's that. That's where they're dangerous. You can't, you can't hit them with a five-yard pass up the middle because, mm-hmm. you know, they might not get to the ball, first of all. And secondly, you know, Somebody coming across the middle is going to knock that ball out of their hands. They're open field receivers. Mm-hmm. Plaxico Burst is a guy you could throw to over and underneath. You could throw to up the middle. You could throw too deep. And if you if you throw Plaxico Burst in there, all of a sudden you have different styles of wide receiver out on the field, which enables you to hit timing routes with uh, with Hester because you have a safety blanket with uh, with Plaxico Burst out there. And 
that guy's massive. He's six five and really, really long. He's, he was a pretty good player. When he came out of Michigan State, um, he was picked one pick ahead of Ryan Urlacher. Do you remember that? And the Bears have said, they said at the time, they were taking Plaxico Burris, even if Urlacher was available. So no matter if, if Plaxico Burris was not taken by the Steelers uh, in the eighth pick, and I think Urlacher was nine, it was, it was, and they were in the top ten, the, Brian Urlacher would have never been a Chicago Bear. And, and, and the Plaxico Burris would have been wasting away with the brutal. Well, Jim Miller was a quarterback then. Maybe there would have been a shot that he could have put up some decent seasons with the Bears. Uh, so who knows? Maybe it all comes full circle and he ends up playing with the Bears and being the, the piece. I, I, I really, the guy has served his time. He, he was an idiot. He was carrying a gun. He shot it accidentally and it went off in his leg. He's paid his price. I want the guy as a Chicago Bear. <laughs> Not because he got shot, obviously, for all those other reasons. So I, I do believe there's a lot of optimism to, to be had as a Chicago Bear fan this year. And I, I know it's kind of, you got to grit your teeth just being like, man, not believe the Green Bay Packers are Super Bowl champs. So uh, now, David Olson, you you watched all the games last year. How do you feel about the Bears' mentality going into this year as the Green Bay Packers as a defending Super Bowl champion? Well, it's I mean it's difficult to say because you never knew what Bears team was going to show up last season, and that was the most frustrating thing. They never always you know he had spurts there where they looked like they were real contenders and. You know, particularly in that last game in the playoffs, I, they were a beaten and defeated team before they even took the field, in my opinion. In my, in, in my opinion. And it's, it's, you're really not going to be able to tell what, where they, what type of team they're going to have until they take the field, unfortunately. You know, I, their execution and all that in the, in the playoff game was up and down, but, I, you're exactly right. They came out flat against the Packers. No matter what anybody says, they, they came out not ready to play against the Packers. And next thing you know, they they had a big. They were down a lot, and we know the Bears don't want to play from behind. Okay, we, you want to you want to chase Aaron Rodgers around with the lead, not when he's uh, leading you. That's not good at all, as it keeps us. So uh, I, I, I'm going to have to agree. That's pretty sad. So that's why I'm I'm always been big on the Bears mentality because it seems like. When it's always us against them and nobody believes in us, that's when the team is good. That's that's why it's some. Uh, and now everybody's going to tell the Bears how great they are this year. Everybody's going to be picking them to contend with the Green Bay Packers for the NFC Championship. Uh, but are they going to believe it? Are they going to fall into the trap? They've done that way too many times. And, and you're right because you, you, last year you would see them. It that is that's always been the issue with the Chicago Bears is is the, the the mentality of the team, whether it's us against them or. Or whether, like, people are complaining. They have way too many players complaining about reporters and other stuff. Just focus on playing football. So, I'm done with Chicago Bears now. I guess we can move on. We're going to just touch real quickly on the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs, last night, uh, well, Carlos Marmol blew a save in the ninth inning. And there's a lot of people kind of, well, is he done? Because he's had a pretty bad year. He has seven blown saves already. And uh, just let me... To all this, to, to baseball fans out there and Chicago Cup fans, you know, he might not end up having a, a great season this year, but I really believe he's one of those guys that is a, a, a prime time when the lights are on, great player. Carlos Marmol was in 07 and 08 the savior for those Cubs bullpens, and that got to the playoffs. And it seems like whenever he's been put in big situations, he's always uh, been electrifying. I, I, Maybe he, he's one of those guys that if he's up four runs and it's a non-safe situation, you put him in, you're putting the ball game on the line. He's got to have the, the intense pressure. And now that I think he's come to the realization that the Chicago Cubs will, will not be winning the National League Central or a wild card uh, playoff spot this year, I think he's realized that, uh, well, it's not really a high-pressure situation. That, that, that is the issue. So if, Next year, if the Cubs do get the good lineup around them and, and they're ready to make a playoff push, which isn't too far out of the question in the National League Central, Carlos Smallmall better be the Cubs' closer. I, I really believe that his his lack of consistency this year is from boredom. And you put him under the bright light. I mean, he was he, he was good in the in the White Sox series. He's been good in the, he's been good in the Yankee series. It just seems like you know they're they're playing the Florida Marlins. And uh, there might have been 27 people on, on television watching that that particular game last night. 
I just don't think that he, he's into it this year. And you can say, oh, he's getting paid. He should do all that. It, yes, he is getting paid, and, and he should be into it. And I'm sure he's working hard. I'm sure he really wants to do well. But there's just something, there's something innate about adrenaline rush. You can't control that. So uh, I think he's one of those guys that needs it. And next year, if the Cubs are contending, Carlos Marmol will be back to being the dominant, nobody-can-touch-you guy. That's just being said. And I, and I don't believe that the Cubs are too far from it. I really do like what's going on. So, Well, I guess I should give the phone number out, 888-463-6748. Uh, this is Joel Redwanski, David Olson, doing the production over there. I do appreciate it. I also appreciate uh, you having to listen to me for for 55 minutes. That's got to be awfully, awfully difficult for you, David. I, I do feel for you. I do feel for you. So, well, this is uh, two guys and a mic. And, uh, you know, we were talking, we're talking about baseball, so I'm going to uh, stick with this one. Uh, yesterday, the Roger Clemens trial was uh, ruled a mistrial. So I wouldn't actually say Roger Clemens is a winner and all this, but uh, I, I guess maybe the, the U.S. taxpayer is, because now we don't have to keep on just throwing millions of dollars at this. Hopefully there will not be another trial. Uh, the, what ended up happening is the prosecution were told not to show a particular video that uh, has Andy Pettit's wife saying, yes, Andy told me at some time during this day that, Roger Clemens was on human growth hormones. He explained how he used them and all this. So, like, this whole misremembered thing didn't happen. Well, they were not supposed to show this video. Well, they decided to show it anyways in front of the jurors. And when the judge, like, hey, come here, let's have a conference, they paused the, they paused the video, and the text below it was, Roger Clemens did HGH, is <laughs> what's on the screen. And that was up there for, like, 10 minutes. So the judge decided... Well, maybe this could be a little confusing to people. This could uh, this could actually you know, like change the mind of a juror. We don't know how much damage this could do. So he just ruled it on this trial. Just, we're done with it. So all that money, all those millions of dollars, and the prosecution does stuff like that. Ridiculous. But like I said again, we all know Roger Clemens lied to Congress. But I could really care less that he lied to Congress because they've been lying to us for years. I, Roger Clemens, I'm no longer a fan of him. And, uh, you know, and, and it's really emotional to me because of the simple fact that that was my brother's favorite athlete of all time. He's devastated by this. So I, I really kind of have like this, like a disdain for Roger Clemens. You know, not like a hatred, just but like, come on, just, just fast up. Just tell us what you did at this point. I'd, I'd have a, a lot more, uh, respect for you if you did that. But the, the U.S. taxpayers got it right where you know again. And, um, they ruled him as foul. And the, and the judge was like, I really don't know if we even should go back to trial with this. So hopefully they don't. The Senate has way too much to worry about than putting Roger Clemens back on trial because he lied to him, and we all know he did. Okay, I think that's, that's enough with Roger Clemens uh, and that story. And talk about just, like, government going way too far again and just wasting money. Well, sometimes they go way too far in order to try to earn money. Uh, if There's a story about... Uh, New York, in a New York City, <laughs> Mayor Bloomberg has decided, to, in order to crack, uh, get some more money, to crack down on all the beekeepers in the city of New York. Sounds, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many there are, but I guess there's a bunch of them. Well, they go to one particular beekeeper's house, and he was fined two thousand dollars for lack of water for his bees. Okay, uh, folks, before I go more into this, I want to let you know that the water container for the bees was. 14 inches away from where they lived. But supposedly they broke some fine that it wasn't close enough. Oh, and by the way, it's backed up on uh, his property, which had, I didn't know New York had uh, parts of the, the city that had uh, enough, that you could have a couple acres and some ponds on there. So I guess it must be like Long Island or something like that. But this guy got fined $2,000 for lack of water for his bees, even though the container was 14 inches away from where the bees lived. And the bees are backed up next to a pond. So if they really didn't like that water, they can just fly back over and go to the pond, which is right behind them. 2000 bucks. Come on. Really, is that what our government has turned out to be? Is, hey, let's just figure out how to make some money so let's go out and find our citizens? And, I mean, this is, yeah, I talked about what happened with uh, water riders. I gave out the kayak tours along the Chicago River. And all of a sudden, on a 
on our busiest morning of the year, on the right before we go out, the, the cops come down and they're like, hey, you, you know, we're going to have to find you for these eight or nine boats that uh, don't have licenses on them. And, and by the way, people, we applied for the license the day we got the boats. We still haven't got the paperwork back from the state of Illinois. Funny how the that the city uh, comes right after the 30 days is up and, and gives us the, the tickets and the fines. Hmm, I wonder how all that happened. It's ridiculous. How, and now, so what, now you have the city and state licensing people working together. But so what they, they get all the paperwork from all the new kayaks, and then they, they call the, the Illinois, uh, the Chicago Boat Police, and just say, hey, just to let you know that uh, on this particular day, They'll uh, all of a sudden be in suspension for not having their tickets that we haven't sent to them yet. That was the issue. We hadn't got them from the state of Illinois. So I'm just sick of shakedown. I'm sick of stuff like this. This, this beekeeper is laughing about it. He's like, he's like, how, how moronic is this? But does the guy need glasses? The water's right next to where the <laughs> where the bees live. Two thousand dollars. How could Bloomberg, the, the the mayor of New York, actually let something like this happen? Or supposedly, the, the word is. He directed it. Well, some people like that have to be voted out of office. People like that abusing the power are ridiculous. So, so I just wanted just more ways that our government is messing with us. So, you got the Roger Clemens trial, millions of dollars. Do they figure that the the United States Senate uh, has spent about twenty two million dollars so far on the Roger Clemens case? Twenty two million dollars can do an awful lot. It can it can build a, a whole wind farm. That could produce energy, just throwing it out there. But they'd rather waste on Roger Clemens. And now we also have people getting shook down for, for uh, $2,000 because of the lack of water for uh, for their bees. Not really good. So, Well, we're going to take uh, a pretty quick break, but I want you to give me a call at 888-463-6748 and let me know where you would go play basketball if you're an NBA player getting locked out. I mean, there's some pretty dream locales if you want to go play basketball. So uh, give me a call. This is Joel Redwansky, two guys and a mic. Where's the second guy? Well, he's John Cohen, and I'll tell you where he is later on in the show. Here on Two Guys and a Mic, this is Joel Radwanski, the coach, John Tone. Well, he's, I just realized he's off getting plastic surgery. He's getting a facelift. You realize being in front of the camera, you know, for almost two years now, that he's become a little more vain and he wanted to be pretty. So he's getting a facelift. He'll be back. He'll be, he'll be, it's a, a non-invasive type surgery. So I think he'll be all right. So John Tone will be back next Monday. I'm pretty sure and two guys in the mic, so you won't have to listen to only my dulcet tones with David Olson piping in every once in a while. So we're back here at 888-463-6748. And the, my question to you is, imagine right now that you're an NBA player, which wouldn't be, wouldn't be too bad because you might not have a paycheck this year, but you've made millions and millions before, so life can't all be that bad. So... Uh, now, there's players all over the NBA talking about they're going to play in a different part of the world 
if the NBA is locked out next year. And, folks, they're going to be. The, the owners are not relenting. Not, o- not only are the owners asking for a whole new contract and a whole new uh, way to, to divvy up the money, because right now the players get 59% of the, the, the money, which is unheard of. It's, it's mind-boggling. I can't believe somebody's risking their, uh, a business and, and basically hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're only making 41% of the money. That's, that's To me, that's mind-boggling. I don't understand that whatsoever. Things do have to change, and the owners aren't going to relent until something does happen. And not only are they talking about a new contract, new collective bargaining agreement, they're asking right now that the players give back money that they're already guaranteed in contract. So this is going to take a long time. This isn't like the NFL where they knew they were close and there was some really important issues that had to get ironed out. It's not like that. We're talking about the NBA owners, the initial offer. So I'm sure if they do give money back, it isn't going to be this high. But their initial offer was for the everybody to give back 25% of your contract. So basically, if you have a, a five-year deal worth $12 million a year, then you would have a five-year deal worth $9 million a year at that point. And that I, no one has ever asked, in, in my lifetime, has that ever been asked for if I, uh, by a sports league. So this is huge. Basketball is not going to be here next year. I, I would be shocked if it is. And it's really too bad as a Chicago Bulls fan because, you know, we talked about how the, the Bears right now are in a situation where, you know, they, they really have a nice team at all positions and depth going in. So you, you really got to like the Bears this year as a Bears fan. Well, you're, you're a Bulls fan. Are you kidding me? You got the, the reigning MVP who has a real bad taste in his mouth of how the season ended last year. And you've got everybody signed to come back. And this is a team that won the most games in the NBA last year. And you can say they had a disappointing playoff finish. This team was just learning how to play in the playoffs. I mean, how many current playoff games are there? I mean, all of them were from Kirk Thomas. You know I mean? <laughs> you played two minutes a game. So this was a huge, huge year for the, for the Bulls. So hopefully uh, when we're talking about where people are going to go play in their dreamland, uh, none of these are going to be the Chicago Bulls. So hopefully – Derek Rose doesn't decide to get up and play uh, some basketball in Angola or something like that. Hopefully, he just decides, decides to stay home and uh, and whatnot. If, you know, if I'm one of the of the Olympic players, what I would do is just hey, get the other eleven guys together and say, hey, we're Team USA. Let's go around the world playing as many teams as we possibly can. That would be the smartest thing to do. I don't know why that hasn't been bantied about or people talking about it, but. You know, if you're Derrick Rose, go get – well, I don't know if you want to get those three guys, those, the three the Miami hate – or heat, excuse me. Get everybody. Get, get them all together and start touring the world. Why not? What else are you going to do at this point? At least might as well promote uh, USA basketball. And, heck, you might as well get really, really close-knit and good for the 2012 Olympics in London. So uh, that sounds like an excellent idea. Hopefully they would do something like that. I, I don't know if they are, but – I, I can only imagine if you get those 12 guys playing basketball together for about six months instead of 21 days before the Olympic tournament, how dominant they would be. That, that would They would be as good as the original Dream Team, probably better, not because of talent, only because if they played for six months together, because if that original Dream Team played together for six months, it would – I couldn't even imagine. They would have shut people out. They would have won 111 or something like that. It would have been pretty ugly. Uh, but uh, but right now we have guys like uh, Darren Williams, my guy from the University of Illinois. He's going to go play in Turkey. I mean, and, and don't put that down. Turkey is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. It's you know it's where the Middle East meets Europe, and people tend to get along. People are nice in Turkey. Uh, Turkey is one of the greatest places to live in the world, especially if you're by the beach. But uh, I really don't know if you want to go play basketball there. And and uh, Dwight Howard has talked about, yeah, he'll play anywhere. And think about Dwight Howard, if they don't have a season next year, he's going to end up being an unrestricted free agent when the next season happens after that. So there's, this is a real important issue for him also. 
where he's going to go, he's talking about playing elsewhere. He says he wants to play in Europe. He's you know more than willing. He wants to go abroad and play basketball for a year or two. I know I would. No matter what anybody says, if I I love the game of basketball. If I'm a basketball player, and if the NBA wants to lock me out, I'm just going to prove a point to them. I'll go play in England or Germany or Poland or uh, you know who knows China. Uh, you know I would do it for a year, get some new experiences. It isn't even about the money at this point. It's your love of the game of basketball. It's uh, you wanted to keep your skills up. I mean, it's nice to you know work out at hoops the gym and have Michael Jordan show up as he. He teaches you the fadeaway as a as a seventy two year old man, but the, the truth of the game, you need to be playing, even if it is maybe not at as high level as you want. You have to play the games and continue to be sharp, and 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 keep your conditioning up. Players who do that are going to be much better served when when they come back, and and I'm sure they can all get a Lord of London deal. If I get hurt, this will cover my uh, the guaranteed money that you would get from the the NBA at that time. So. Uh, just a thought, but if yeah, if I could play anywhere, I would like to sign like a one month deal with like five different teams in Europe and Asia. If you could possibly, I know that isn't going to happen. I'm going to watch it for the whole year, but I would love to be able to do that. Basically, you can see the world, meet new people, play some basketball. It'd be pretty good. But or if they had a league in Fiji, right in the middle of the South Pacific, that wouldn't be bad either. I don't know if they actually have a Fiji basketball league. We're going to have to ask. B.J. Singh about that, but that's that's another topic altogether. Now, B.J. Singh's a little golfer. And yesterday in the British Open, folks, what, that was one of the craziest days in the history of golf. Yesterday you have an amateur leading. You have an alternate in the top ten, a guy that was called, this alternate's called up on the day of saying, no, somebody got hurt, he can't play. This guy ends up flying in. He ends up being in the top ten. Tom Watson, hole-in-one. Tom Watson playing phenomenal again in the British Open. I mean, the guy just absolutely owns these courses. It's awesome to see. I really can hope he can hold on and actually win one of these things. I know last year, he, oh, was it 2009, two years ago, he came down to the, the last day, and it just like one bad shot ended up costing him. It was just too bad. I mean, to, to see somebody in their late 50s at that time, he's 61 now, uh, to be able to even contend in a major is just phenomenal. It really shows you that in that or, you know, there's something to be said about, like, if you play a certain way, certain courses, you'll be able to dominate. You know, and like, I, I don't understand golf like some other sports, but obviously his swing is perfect for link-style golf because whenever they play link-style, Tom Watson's just attacking the hole. He's all over it. So uh, a very interesting day yesterday uh, in the British Open. And this kid, this, this amateur, his name is Laffy. He has been... He's as poised in front of a camera as as uh, Dan Rather. Oh my God, and the guy's up there, just uh, perfectly at ease, no problem, saying everything that you're supposed to be saying, right? You know, and and uh, it seems sincere, and he doesn't seem nervous whatsoever. I mean, we'll see how he plays on the golf course the next couple of days. Now that he plays with the lead, um, but I, I love the fact this kid's an amateur, and he and he didn't. Say hey, you know I'm just here. Uh, who knows? I'll probably crash and burn. He's like, no, I want to shoot 70 or below all four days. That's that's a pretty bold statement. We'll see if he could he keep that up. But the kid shot a, a 65 uh, yesterday. And he he leads the British Open as an amateur. I know it's only after one day. But that, that's huge. That's huge. I mean, if I was him and it gets and he makes the cut and he's I would have to take that amateur status off. Can I please be a professional now, Phil? Because there's a couple million dollars at stake for this guy. I mean, I wonder, I wonder what happens. So if you win, it's just like he wins this tournament. You know, there's like a $2 million prize. Obviously, he can't take it because he's an, an amateur. But what, do, do they keep it? Does Royal St. George keep the money? Or do they distribute it out through the, the rest of the golfers evenly? Do they give it to some uh, charitable donation? I'm, uh, I'm not sure what they do with it. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they weren't expecting to give out a gigantic chunk uh, kid that was an amateur at this point, but uh, I really haven't been able to watch a lot of that, and that is, to me, I, I love the British Open uh, just as much as, as the Masters. There's just something special about going over the pond and playing golf where it, originally, where it originated at, so uh, it, it's awfully good. And a, a great story on the, on the first Thursday, and, you know, I'm sure there's going to be guys leading that haven't, you know, had a problem, haven't led in a while, and actually our guy, Steve Stricker, 
from Illinois, the University of Illinois, who won the John Deere Classic last week, playing really, really well, and is actually in contention. He's in the he's in the top ten, so hopefully he can possibly make a push and and get his first major. So eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. Yeah, I can't really talk too much about golf. That is definitely not a strong point. Uh, but it's extremely interesting to me, always, the British Open. And talk about another sport that uh, I might not be an expert on, but there's there's something I do know, and that's teamwork and being cohesive. Uh, I'm really, really excited to, to see this uh, Japanese team take on the United States. And trust me, I'm a gung-ho Go USA guy all the time, but if there was a team ever that I have no problem, you know, losing to in a in a, I, I don't want to say I, I'd have no problem with that. I want the team USA to win. Uh, these girls have been awesome. Abby Wambach, all these other girls have just been great. Uh, the way they support each other, Heather O'Reilly. I mean, how good is she to her teammates and stuff? Just the way they they support each other, how much fun they're having playing uh, soccer, how much passion they bring in the game. The, the, the determination is just ridiculous with these girls. So I really do want them to win. But these Japanese girls, it's very similar. I mean, the stories of these girls, they I mean, they have laid it on the line for their, their countrymen back home. And four of these girls have direct people, like family or friends that have died. Two of them lost their homes after the tsunami. If you can't root, I mean, they had their home wiped away before they go and play for the World Cup. I mean, they got other issues to worry about. So, yeah, you, you can tell when you have issues like that, sometimes that gives you that little extra that you need, and that's exactly what the, the Japan team is playing with. Now, you know, I only watch soccer when it comes to, like, the World Cup. I really I definitely can't say I'm an expert at it. But, you know, I, I notice there's a lot of fouls, like vicious tackles in men's games, and you'll have them in, in women's games. Not as many of them. But the Japanese team gets zero fouls. They never take somebody out where they didn't hit the ball first. So they never give up like easy plays to other teams. It's, it's, they are so technical and like play so perfect. At least they have in this tournament because I've I've watched a lot of the games. It, it, the United States have their hand full, and if I was a betting person, I would say the Japanese are going to win. And I, and I know the U.S. team is twenty-two zero and three all time versus Japan, but this is different. Uh, this is going to be one heck of a football match. So uh, Sunday when it's a 110 degrees heat index and I get done uh, paddling the kayak downtown, I am going to find myself a nice cool bar and I am going to watch um, the second half of that game. So uh, hopefully it ends up being a great one. Now the, the Japanese team were playing Sweden and we all know Sweden put a little beat down on the U.S. Okay, And uh, definitely the only game in the whole tournament that the U.S. Uh, didn't play uh, really well in was the the Swedish game. Well, the the Japanese come out and in the tenth minute, their best player that's Hamari Sawa. Okay, kind of a lazy pass to somebody. It gets intercepted. They fly down the field and score. And I'm like, uh oh, Japan's in trouble now. They're finally going to catch up with them. The unbelievable dream is over with. You know, because in soccer, one goal is so huge. And I'm not can you after that, Japan thoroughly and utterly dominated. Sweden had one more shot. One more shot the whole entire game. And uh, Japan had 15. They won 3-1. to one. And it was, they. I think they possessed the ball about 80% of the game. I know that isn't the actual number, but it felt like 100%. They had the ball at all times. So they have, a, 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 the U.S. have their hands full with these uh, with these Japanese ladies. I mean, they're all like 5'3". They, their average height is 5'3", but to be honest with you, they have a backup goalie who's like 6'2", so the whole team is like 5' foot even. It's, it, but they're all, they all run like the wind, and uh, it's like they're playing hacky sack with the ball. This it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of cool for me. I've never, ever been excited really too often about too many women's sports. It's not that like, I, I disrespect them or anything, but this one I'm thoroughly excited for. And uh, so this Sunday, I do believe it's, 11 o'clock Eastern time, so I might have to tape this. So this is going to, this is going to be an issue where I might have to, like, put the headphones on, keep my eyes on the phone and watching baseball stuff until I get home and uh, and do what the uh, coach normally does. So, matter of fact, Coach called me the other day. So I'm like, don't, first thing he says is, don't tell me about women's soccer. I was like, okay, Coach, I won't. <laughs> so uh, I, I know better. He's uh, he's really serious about that stuff. If you tell him a score beforehand, it, like, ruins his whole entire day, his whole day. To be ruined. So 
I mean, you can tell him, like, oh, he's got a flat tire he can deal with it. You tell him the score of the game that he doesn't want to know, he's devastated for a couple of days. He'll complain about it on this show for a few days afterwards. Why did somebody have to tell me? I almost made it. So uh, I guess I'm going to be dealing with what Coach deals with this Sunday. Uh, so definitely going to be a busy half in baseball in the second half. Uh, so I figure I've got one more soccer game. I'll watch that. And then all of a sudden, I'll be able to turn my eyes uh, to everybody else in baseball, and hopefully the Cubs coming back in, in some sense of bringing some young players up, and the, the Bears getting into camp. So this is like my last uh, day before. So Sunday's my last day before I totally focused on Bears, and that's pretty much it. This is what I'm getting out there. So I'm going to enjoy it. i got to work uh, a couple days this weekend. They're talking 110 heat index in in uh, Texas and Oklahoma, and they're talking about like possibly, possibly up here in the in the great state of Illinois, 110 degree heat index. It's definitely going to get over 100 in the heat index uh, this weekend. So, uh, uh, folks, uh, you got to drink water, a lot of water. Drink it when you wake up in the morning. Drink it when ever ever you have a chance. Uh, try to avoid some uh, the caffeine. I know you want the Everybody needs to have the caffeine. I've, I've made it a concerted effort to actually cut back on the caffeine. It's been a lot easier than I than I thought it was. I don't have the shakes as much too, which is good. That's, that's always a, a good thing. Uh, but this is going to be an extremely hot weekend all over the United States. And uh, when you consider what's going on, like in Kansas and in that area of the world, there's just a horrible, horrible drought going on right now, and it's really affecting uh, crops. Uh, it's affecting farmers all over the all over the country, and you know the, the the crazy thing is this is there there hasn't been as much food for cattle, and there's a gigantic aquifer that is uh, underneath like Kansas and and Nebraska and it goes up into the Dakotas. It's the it's the largest freshwater aquifer in the world. People, the United States is sitting on a lot of fresh water. That's why if everything goes to you know what in a handbasket. In a couple of years, like people have predicted, well, the United States controls a large portion of the world's fresh water. So that's that's the one thing we got going for us as Americans. Of course, if you can get into that fresh water, then that's another issue because you have to pay too much tax in order to get from it. But right now, these the cattle are dying because they're not getting enough food. So there's enough water for them from the aquifer, so they just keep drinking and drinking, and they're dying from having their blood thinned out because they have too much water and not enough food. So there's been this plague of cattle dying in the in the basically the, the America's desert, which is Kansas and Oklahoma right now. I've never heard of anything like this. It's, I mean, who would ever think something like that would happen? You know, it's uh, the cattle die off from too much water during the middle of a drought. Stuff happens, and you just got to shake your head sometimes. Dying in a drought from too much water, but uh, I didn't realize that there's. Uh, one of my best friends, Ron Fields, who happens to be a editor of papers out in uh, in Kansas, he's like one of those guys that like oversees a couple of different papers. Uh, I went to college with him, and he uh, he was telling me about this aquifer. It, it's absolutely amazing how much fresh water there's more fresh water than there is in the Great Lakes, and it's underwater of the United States. It's, it's about uh, 500 feet down, and it's just a gigantic lake underneath all the central states of the United States. David Olson, were you aware that there was this much? I mean, I have heard about it. I didn't realize that it was this massive, and it, it basically just as much water as the Great Lakes. You know what I'm talking about? The aquifer in central, uh, in the central part of the United States. No, I was not aware of that. Neither was I. I guess it's it's, it's just massive. So, like, the issue is if you don't get rain, the water will erode. Okay, and I mean, like, the could the water will. Erode. The ground will erode, so you got to get a lot of rain. But they have enough water to actually uh, to, to pump out over all the the different farms. But they're not; they only get so much. And since there isn't, hasn't been any, or they haven't had any rain this summer. They've had less than an inch throughout Oklahoma and Kansas since uh, like May first. So like the the ground is going to going to crap. So right now, I mean, like we're, there's a there's going to be like food issues coming out of that particular area. So the prices of of food are going to start skyrocketing pretty soon. I mean, they've gone up a lot. As a matter of fact, this year they've gone up like three percent. So that that's going to be somebody else, something else that we're going to have to face. I'd hate to be the bringer of bad news, bearer of bad news, but there there's huge issues right now with the uh, with the drought in the 
central part of the United States. I don't know how they're sitting on this much water, how they can't just let them irrigate the, <laughs> the what do you call it, their, uh, their fields with it. But there's always an issue. Now, the, supposedly the governments aren't letting them uh, up how much water they can get, and that's really causing the farmers a lot of issues right now. You would think they would just let them use it, but I don't know. I'm not running the places over there. So 888-463-6748, uh, close it up a show. Now, we had a – we talked about it was all over the board today, talking uh, NFL lockout, NBA lockout. One looks like it's going to be okay, which is the NFL. It looks like we might be uh, getting back to – the practice fields pretty soon, which would be cool. And then, and then you look at the NBA lockout, which they're not going to be back anytime soon, which is too bad. Um, we're talking about how the Bears are looking good this year. I mean, really, I can't, I can't wait for the Bears to start practicing because they're one of the few teams that have pretty much everybody coming back. All the pieces are in place. Dave wants that ism. Sorry about that. That's not good when you're talking about the Chicago Bears. Uh, but it, uh, they've, they've pretty much got everything they need. Hopefully they can maybe add a wide receiver to the mix, a nice big one, okay, uh, for the second half. Now, the second half is kicking off the Chicago White Sox right now. This is where the run has to happen. The White Sox are notorious for playing great in July and August. If they're going to make a run, if they're going to end up passing uh, uh, Detroit and Cleveland, who are some pretty good teams, but definitely with holes, they're going to catch these guys. They have to start playing ball right now, and the key is going to be Adam Dunn. If he just could have a typical second half for him, hit 265 with 15 homers, 45 RBIs, and only strikes out 70 times, the White Sox will win the division. That's all they need is Adam Dunn to be average, because if he's just an average Adam Dunn, Paul Konerko is going to go off. Carlos Quinton will go off. They, they had this massive hole in the middle of their lineup. If Adam Dunn gets his, uh, his stuff right, which I'm pretty sure he will. Obviously, he's been a major bust. They, one of the, the worst first half of any brand-new signing in the history of Chicago sports. If it, there is nobody that was worse, in, especially because he got paid $72 million. Nobody had a worse first half of their first season of signing a gigantic deal when they came to the city of Chicago. And then there's some big names under Candy Moldonados and stuff. Dunn has been the worst. You hit below 200, and you have, a, the, what, like 110 strikeouts and about 30, maybe less than that, 25 RBIs. That's as bad as any player has ever been in the history of Chicago. So hopefully my performance on today's show is a little bit better than Adam Dunn's performance in the first half. But bear with me. The coach, John Cohn, will be back on Monday. We'll be doing the show, two guys in a mic together. And David Olson will uh, have a lot more to work with when with coaches in studio because, you know, coach is always having David do awfully strange things. So uh, hopefully it wasn't too hard on you, David Olson. I do appreciate you uh, uh, piping in there and making this as easy as possible for me as, uh, as uh, I do a little vent here, the Big Dog vent on this particular Friday. Happy to help out, Big Dog. Okay, it was good. I appreciate it. And uh, everybody, all the listeners out there, I definitely appreciate you listening to this show. The coach will be back. And all reminders to all of you, if you're in Chicago, you're a tourist, or if you've lived in Chicago your whole life, go to waterriders.com, waterriders with one R, and uh, uh, check out the specials we do. I give the kayak tours. They're a lot of fun, and you'll learn a heck of a lot about the city of Chicago. So I appreciate everybody listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Two guys in a mic. Oh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Two guys in a mic.